What is up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Got Next podcast. There were some notable games and news on, over in the NBA this week, most notably the 60-point bombs dropped by Steph and Bradley Beal earlier this week. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Rafa will talk us through some injury news as well. Plus, our GG of the week week, the Celtics at the Heat, a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals that did not disappoint. Did not disappoint at yep. all. It was a great game. Very entertaining. My name is Carlos, joined as always by my trusty co-host Rafa. What's up? This is the Got Next Podcast. And this week on new NBA news, uh, we're going to shout out a few uh, games we've seen this week. Um, first of all, uh, in the rematch of the, of the Blazers versus Warriors uh, miniseries earlier this week. So the second game of the second game of the miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. The second game of the miniseries where in the first series, the Warriors got blown out. In the second uh-huh. game... Draymond Green and Steph Curry combined for 63 points. <laughs> 62 of those coming from Steph. <laughs> yes. The highest scoring duo in the NBA. Steph Curry and Draymond Green for 63 points. <laughs> That's a career high for Steph. Yes. What, that, that was a great like, comeback from like, the terrible game against the, Bla- the Blazers in the previous game. Yeah, the Blazers torched them uh, the previous game. There was just Nothing the Warriors could do. They, they couldn't buy a bucket that game. It was brutal to watch. Yeah. And to turn around so quickly, and Steph obviously took it upon himself uh, to carry the offense that game. And I think you could tell, like, he was very much more aggressive that game compared to the, compared to the, first, to yeah. the first one. I think yeah. in the first quarter, he already had, like, what, 20 points or something. I'm actually not sure. I'm actually not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not totally sure. But he's... He is starting to take it upon himself a little more. He's a little more on ball than usual just because I think he understands now that he kind of has to carry the load a little more. He doesn't have as much help as he thought he would, unfortunately. Yeah, and obviously Draymond, Draymond Green coming back uh, is clearly helping them. I don't care what the stat line is. Yeah. He's like averaging a triple single but is still like their <laughs> second best player. Yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> I mean, he's still there on defense. He just like doesn't contribute anything on offense. He's just, he's like he's like a conductor on offense. He doesn't really like get the rack up the assists or anything, but he definitely yeah. helps like the synergy of the offense. For sure, the offense looks so much better when he's on the floor. It's quite it's it's like hard to quantify, unless That's you're like fair. yeah. That's fair. You saw that gif of him, you know, like jumping, directing traffic that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shack and a fool. Yep. Like jump, like as high as he's ever jumped. Besides, (laughs) but yeah, um, it's quite an interesting week for the Warriors because they played like. I mean, the narrative around them was that they're shit, but then now, like after this week, it seems like they're figuring stuff out and how to play, how to play together. So, I think it's it's look it's trending upwards for them. Some Warriors fans are thinking they can go all the way up to the two seed. I'm not sure about that. I'm <laughs> not sure yeah. about that. I don't know about that. They did have an impressive comeback win against the Clippers earlier. 
Yep. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> that was brutal for the Clippers. It was, uh, for those of you who don't know, the, the Clippers went up by 22 points in late in the third. So with three minutes left in the third quarter, I think the score was uh, 85 to 63. And by the time there's like nine minutes and 58 seconds in the fourth, the Warriors took the lead 92 to 89. <laughs> it's so, a repeat of the... Yeah, in five minutes. The nuggets. Yeah, they're in five minutes. Their lead just totally vanished. And oh you know, man, because of Steph Curry. Oh, it sucks because I I turned off that game thinking like, oh, the Warriors don't have it tonight. Uh, man. Um, just, yeah, you definitely should have. I missed. That. Oh, I should have kept watching. I should have kept watching. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Um, next, we got Bradley Beal scored sixty points as well in a loss to the Sixers. That was crazy. I was not watching that game, and then I like I was just watching. I think I was. I thought it was a Heat game. I think that that day. I can't remember. Yeah. But then I just saw my Twitter like, Bradley Beal has fifty five points, and it's yeah. like seven Damn. minutes left in the third quarter. I was like, dang. Damn. I yeah. still didn't turn it on because they were down thirty. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty at that point. Did. And then yeah. they came back. Yeah, but they still couldn't get it done. I mean, it was too far removed. It, it couldn't. You know. It was happen. Did you see that play of uh, where Westbrook tried? Like, Beal had a wide open lob. He was open for a lob, wide open. And Westbrook yeah. threw it to him. Hit the top of the backboard. Of course. <laughs> oh, Westbrook. That was to take. That was potentially a, to take the lead. It was like one thirty three all. Oh man. <laughs> Classic Westbrook. And I. Beal has been playing pretty, like, he's putting up these really crazy stats. Do you think he should stay in the Wizards? No, man. I don't think he should stay with the <laughs> Wizards. That team isn't good. They really aren't. It's... They, they look, they just look bad. And they have promise with their two young, young players in uh, Avdia and Rui Hachimura. They, they look good, but they're not ready. And then Westbrook doesn't help because I, I don't know of the stats, but I'm, I'm willing to bet and I'm going to look at this right now, that even though Bradley Beal is definitely the better scorer between the two, Westbrook is probably taking more shots. So let's do a quick basketball <laughs> reference search. And... I would not be surprised if this is true. Actually, <clears throat> no, it's not true. Bradley Beal is taking... I don't know if this just ballooned because of what just happened, but uh, <laughs> Beal is taking 28... Sorry, 24.8 shots per game, and Westbrook is only at 19.3. So I stand corrected. <laughs> but still. That's good to know. 24 good and 19. Yeah. But, well, that's good. To, yeah, but the I offense is running through that, the right place. Some of that might be from the 60-point the game, because he clearly took like at least 30, 30 shots. They've only played nine games, so. I mean, he only had three points in the fourth quarter. He should have reached. He should have. He was on pace for seventy or more. He could have reached seventy, but oh well. Yeah, and too bad it didn't amount to anything because they lost. Yeah, well, not to mention in that game, Joel Embiid had a great game. He had thirty-eight points, I think. Yeah. The Sixers look good. (laughs) The Sixers look really good. Better than I thought they were. Um, Even even if you suspected that Embiid was going to return to his 2019 form. I didn't think that the Sixers themselves would be this good. It's, it, it is a little shocking. And them being atop the East, 
it's a little shocking, but at the same time, they've only played nine games. So I don't want to overreact. It's very early in the season. I mean, we won't really get the feel for all these teams until like 20 to 30 games in, as we've mentioned previously. Yep. But strong start for the... <laughs> For the Sixers. 76ers. Yeah, for sure. I do I do I want to do a GG of the week week with them at some point. I yeah. Where they are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm wondering if the Sixers and the Nuggets game today we and we can go ahead and talk about this already cuz that that game is in jeopardy, but that's one I already wanted I kind of marked on my calendar like maybe this is another one that we break down which is later today, but it's in jeopardy because Seth Curry tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, it sucks that it's in, it's jeopardy because like, it would have been Embiid, like the two best centers in the league, Embiid versus Jokic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That would have been really fun. Low-key, two of the, easily the two best, I guess not easily the two best big men, but they're playing like the two best big men right now. They and have been for the season, yeah. They have sure. been for the season, right? Like based on these nine games, those are the two best, yeah, you might argue those have been the two best players. Yeah, I mean, Jokic might is averaging it. a triple-double. Like, what? Yeah, and Embiid looks great. Like, he's, he's returned to his 2019 form. It's a little better, too. I think he's a little more efficient. Um, so, between the two, Embiid and Jokic, who would you say is better? Mm, it's hard to say so early in the season. Um... Yeah. But based on very small sample size, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say because at this point I'm gonna say the the Sixers just because they are I mean sorry the the MB because they're leader winning <laughs> I mean Jokic just putting up the stats but it's uh, might be they might be empty I haven't watched enough Nuggets to say whether or not they are empty Yeah, I mean but, just because. Not every time that someone puts up monster numbers and their team is and doesn't win. empty yeah. stats. It's not empty stats every time. It's I think it's more like a team construction thing where the the Nuggets kind of lost their like Jeremy Grant <laughs> as one of their better wing defenders hasn't really been replaced. Yeah, as we thought, like Jamichael Green, we thought Jamichael, that would be Jamichael Green, but he's really like not in the rotation. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So they're Which kind of surprising. Like, they kind of replaced his minutes with. MPJ and he's obviously a, uh, not the defender that Jeremy Grant is. He's still a liability out there, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. yeah, for sure. I mean, so that's so you're saying Embiid because the Sixes are better. <laughs> um, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very flimsy argument. I, I have not I have not watched enough of either to say one way or the other. Yeah, I definitely need to pay more attention to the two. But I think that, you know, Jokic's significant versatility on the offensive end puts him over the top for me. I think that Embiid's efficiency, especially coming from the three-point line, on three attempts, he's shooting like 40-something percent from three. I don't know if that's going to last. Knowing him, knowing him. Knowing him, as long as it's That might come down. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of threes a game for him just to get easy buckets because most of the buckets he has to get, he has to fight for. So him getting a couple of easy shots is fine to preserve energy. But I think that because Jokic is able to do more things on the offensive end, um, despite his defensive limitations, I would still say Jokic is the the better player right now. 
did you see a step back game tying shot against Dallas? I mean, Jokic is. You're, are you talking about Jokic? That was sick. You're, Jokic is low key the best clutch player in the NBA. He's yeah, like he's dang, really good. It's so. It looks. It was so like slow, but I mean, I guess because he was being guarded by Maxi Kleber, it wasn't a problem that it was slow. <laughs> Maxi Kleber is a good defender, though. That's a thing. It was ni- nothing but nylon, as Mark Jones Crazy. would say. Crazy. <laughs> Um, and just so, uh, and then just to answer this question a little more, I put a poll up on Hardwood Amino in preparation for this. Uh, I got 52 responses and two thirds agree that Nikola Jokic is the better player. And then one third mm. for Embiid. So that's interesting. That's, that is interesting. Yeah. We'll see how this is, rest of the season plays out. I hope their game, their, their game. <laughs> Is go, goes through tomorrow, please, please. Which is li- later today for people. Oh in yeah, the, sorry. The, yeah, no, that's Philippine fine. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I hope. Well, really, it's it's an afternoon game for us, so it'll be at three in the morning or four in the morning for you. Oh damn it! That's how you I could guess I'm not, you, you could get up I and watch wake, it before your ride at six. I could wake up. For it. <laughs> that's in like five hours. I don't know about that. Brutal. <laughs> Uh, All right. I think the last piece of new NBA news we had was Kyrie Irving missing the last two games for personal reasons, and Steve Nash doesn't seem to know why. Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, Yeah. It might just be Kyrie being Kyrie. Yeah. But I feel like there are some, like, takes out there that are just saying, like, oh, Kyrie's being Kyrie. It's like, he's not, this is not good for the Nets. He does, he, I think that I saw some people saying he wanted, he wanted to duck the game against, who did they play? That first game against, it was in Milwaukee, no? It was, I think it was, no, it was, no, I think it was the Sixers. The Sixers, yeah. Oh, he just wants to skip it because he's scared to play the Nets where they don't have a chance to win. And then they uh, won the game. Yeah, they won the game. <laughs> no, nah, and then gross overreactions, like, see, the Nets play better without Kyrie. <laughs> no, the, there, there were takes like that on that's Twitter. That's the same guy. Unbelievable. Uh. Yeah, no. So, I, th- I don't know what the reasons were. I think we did see that potentially it's because he was kind of affected by uh, what happened on Capitol Hill. Um, you know, if that's the case, I can't, I can't say boo because... You yeah, know. we can't say boo. We can't say. We can't say. <laughs> we can't argue anything about that. So, um, and that and that's fine. I just think that if if Kyrie wants to take two games off because of that, it's whatever. I don't think it's gonna affect the Nets long term. I just yeah. hope that Kyrie at least communicates to his team, like, hey, so just so you know, this is why. Let's get back on track. It sounds like um, the Steve Nash has been finally. Finally found, finally got in contact with him, but yeah, he does not. He's not disclosed why he skipped the game. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to disclose it to the media as long as he yeah, disclosed it doesn't. to the team. Because it's like you don't you don't want to get to the point where your teammates think you're getting special treatment, and like when you're in a bad mood, you just get to skip games. You know what I mean? Because like you have to believe at some point, Land Landry Shamit, um, or you know Torian Prince, were in bad moods. And yeah, you, yeah, you can't just go a wall on your team. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know that. That said, if you were affected by the Capitol Hill stuff, that's fine. But all all I'm saying is that you should communicate that to your team, or at least communicate that to your coach, so that 
he can yep. tell the rest of the guys like, hey, just so you know, he is dealing with stuff. He just needs he just needs a break. All right, let's uh, let's let's go ahead and move on to the next segment, which is my new segment called Insight Inside Injuries. Uh, for those of you who missed it last week, we still had to come up with a theme for that. But um, <laughs> just for those of you who missed it last week, this is a new segment where I kind of use my athletic training background and knowledge in orthopedics because I, I work in an orthopedic clinic and I'm a surgical assistant to a sports med surgeon. So I kind of use my, uh, my knowledge there to provide you with insight inside injuries now um we'll start off with a couple of um uh simple ones unfortunately markel fultz is out for the year after tearing his acl um if you saw it it was a a non-contact buckling of his knee on a drive i mean as soon as i saw his knee cave in like that i kind of knew it was gonna be an acl yeah you immediately sent me the videos like that's an acl (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Unless proven otherwise, until proven otherwise. Yeah, it's treated as an ACL tear until proven otherwise. So that sucks. Poor guy. He was kind of finding his rhythm and potentially was coming back. And, you know, just bad luck. I feel I feel Sucks, yeah. He was playing well. He, being in Orlando and no longer the spotlight in Philly has been good for him. And it kind yeah. of sucks that he has to lose a year. Yeah. Poor guy. Um, so wishing you a speedy recovery. Uh, we'll see you next season. He'll probably be back at around this time next season, January. And I, I really hope that he's, he has a good long career after this. Question, uh, Rafa. We, we've seen a lot of like, knee injuries the last few years. Yeah. I actually, I'm not sure if there's any data behind it, but I feel like we, we, there's a lot of like, ACLs or like, uh, yeah, ACLs basically the last few years. Is there something like, that's happened with like, basketball in particular that Probably possibly causing it. Is it is the game too fast for the? Are there many, too many games? <laughs> um, that's that's hard to say, and I I need to look into this to find out the specific reasons. Um, but I will say that my early suspicion is that yeah, it, it it may not necessarily be the number of games in the NBA season, but what it seems to be is that kids from a young age and this is probably the reason why a lot of they're just increased mm-hmm. in these types of injuries is that kids from a very young age tend to specialize in their sport earlier than they used to right so let's let's just contrast um current nba players like i don't know zion let's take zion mm-hmm. williamson who's probably been playing basketball full time since he was 8 Versus LeBron James. Yeah, versus LeBron James. This is probably like the end of that era and when AAU was really taking off and and taking over. AAU existed before LeBron, but LeBron um, played high school football. He could have been in the NFL. (laughs) He could have been in the NFL. Like they, they, of course, he was going to be a basketball player, but he was kind of recruited, wasn't he? I don't know if that's true or not, but LeBron played football. Right? Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a significant amount of time in a year where LeBron James didn't play basketball. Right? So, whereas there are these young guys who play basketball 12, 12 months a year. Yeah. And there's, there's so much literature now that shows that when you specialize early, 
you there is a significant increase in injury risk when you're like 10 years down and you're professional yeah. athlete yeah when you become a professional athlete so like these guys who are playing basketball baseball football hockey tennis soccer from when they're young kids and doing that up until in their adulthood there tends to be an increase in injury the reason is is because you only learn one specific motor pattern that is that is optimal for um for that sport right mm-hmm. so um, a good example here would be baseball so pitchers who pitch at a young age uh end up with more torsion in their humerus bone so their arm bone it twists more okay just naturally that's what it means so your the bone will rotate to allow you to throw harder mm-hmm. and that's an adaptation that happens when you're young and it happens when you're older so things like that you you'll get these adaptations for that specific sport but then you don't get adaptations for different sports like you learn playing different sports will give you different motor patterns you'll use different muscles in a different way um you might develop more kinesthetic awareness so you're probably helping yourself prevent injuries in that sense and mm-hmm. yeah so that's why it's not good to um to specialize in that one sport now the the flip side of the argument is parents will say well i want my kid to be in the nba shouldn't they be playing basketball full time like they need to work on their skills and even in Eight. the yeah exactly but the research shows no there's actually no cor- there's a very weak there's a weak positive correlation between um early specialization and becoming a professional athlete i mean we in the chosen sport parents. what's that in the chosen sport yeah in the chosen sport like there it 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 tends to not happen all that often like lebron didn't necessarily specialize because he played football. Tim Duncan didn't yep. start playing basketball till high school. Joel Embiid didn't start playing basketball till high school. Hakeem Olajuwon didn't play basketball till high school. Steve Kerr didn't play basketball full-time. Danny Ainge didn't. Michael Jordan Steve didn't. Nash. Steve Nash didn't. Like there are tons of these guys who don't specialize till they're in high school when they're nearing physical maturity. That's probably when you could start specializing. At, like maybe as when you're a sophomore in high school and above because that's when you're getting a lot of your development. So, yeah, if you want your PSA, if you want your kid to be a pro athlete, don't make them specialize till they're like 15 or 16. So, it's more because like their body's so used to moving in one way. So, when you're like pushed to your limits in a professional athlete when you're in the pros. Yeah. And your body like kind of does something it's not used to, it just gives Yeah. Particularly like especially in ba- basketball your knees are very yeah use a lot <laughs> change yeah. directions and stuff. So is yeah. that probably what happens there? Yeah. So I mean if you think about it how often so that knee where your your knees caving in. Mm-hmm. If you think about how many times that actually happens to every basketball player in in the span of a basketball game it happens a lot. It happens a lot. It just becomes to the point where you don't have the muscle to and the um the kinesthetic awareness i guess uh to be able to do that safely and that's why that's why people tend to rest throughout the season is because when and this in a in a podcast with Ben Taylor in thinking basketball he had the guy on P3 the, mm-hmm. the director of P3 in Atlanta which is one of the best sports medicine and 
or I guess they're more strength and conditioning um, facilities out there, they note that uh, they test the player in certain things uh, before the season and then they test it after. And if they're fatigued, those numbers just plummet at the end. Like the oh, hip strength is an example. And hip strength is one of the things that helps prevent injury, especially in ACL tear. So if you're, if you're losing that ability throughout the season, then you become more at risk to tear your ACL. So that's just one example. Okay, okay. It makes yeah. sense. Sorry yeah. to move away from Markel faults, but I want no, to No, that's okay. That's a, that's a fantastic question. And it, it, it does bring up a really important thing. Like the, that would be my suspicion as to why there are more of these types of injuries. Now, of course, before, one of the more common things for 28, 29-year-olds would be arthritis. So I'm glad we got rid of that. That's good. Yeah. You'd rather, I'd rather, I'll tear my ACL 10 times before I get arthritis. I, I promise you that. Yeah. Because once you have arthritis, there's no coming back. You can replace your ACL and, you know, it'll be relatively Repair. fine. Yeah, you reconstruct it. But if, you, mm -hmm. if, you, if your knee joint is just gone, you get a new knee. That's cutting out bone and putting metal in it. You can't, you can't, you can't play again, basically. Yeah, and you can't play basketball anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Well, speaking of arthritis. arthritis. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any more questions about the Markel Fultz thing? No, I'm. That, that, that was pretty extensive. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No. No worries. You know, I enjoy talking about that stuff. That's why I'm. That's why I'm an athletic trainer. Um. So update on Kemba Walker. He. For those of you who don't know, he's dealing with knee arthritis uh, that comes that originally manifested as a meniscus tear in like 2015. He's had several operations, and at this point, he's dealing with arthritis. And like we said, once you have arthritis, it's you'll need a knee replacement. But if you need a knee replacement, then you don't, you know, you can't play basketball with a knee replacement. So Kemba Walker is limited on options here. Um, one of the things they did was called a stem cell injection. And the reason they do that is to try to grow some of that cartilage back. It's, it's, a, a pretty, it's relatively new, and we don't really know how effective it's going to be in professional athletes. But, you know, if we had, he had to do what he had to do at this point. It, it was worth it to experiment, especially because he's kind of exhausted a lot of his options at this point. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he's not in much pain, which is great. Yeah, like the the report I saw from Woj is that it's pain free. Yeah, he... which is fantastic. Now, once he starts playing again, that's a different story, and he's probably going to have to load manage for the rest of his career. Mm -hmm. He'll probably have to have it drained as well, because you know this the card the new cartilage that supposedly grows. It's not like regular cartilage. It's softer. It's not as, it's not as good. And it's probably not going to last him his whole uh, life. It'll probably, it'll probably be gone by the time he retires. It'll, it'll be worn out. Thanks. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if it extends his career by a couple of years, that's great. I mean, I'm sure he wants to win a championship. Or, and earn the money. <laughs> yeah. And earn more money. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope that this ends up doing the job for him and we'll see can he return to the celtics yes <laughs> so far the celtics haven't missed him too much i mean they have fast pp so that we'll yeah fast pp yes <laughs> we will talk about him later uh 
the last injury that uh, we want to talk about was Killian Hayes. So um, Killian Hayes tore his right labrum. Which, which side was it? I can't remember now. Uh, I didn't see. It was his right hip labrum. So um, not the most common injury in basketball. It's happened a couple times historically, yeah. but um, it happens a lot in hockey. Very common in hockey. So a little background on the hip labrum. So your hip labrum uh, has a couple of purposes. So it's similar to your meniscus in that it's a, a force distributor. Uh, so it, it, it's really important in making sure that it just doesn't eat away your cartilage. And then it also provides some extra stability. So if you like lose part of your uh, labrum, you may develop some hip instability. It's not all that mm-hmm. common because your hip joint is like um, shaped very well that it has inherent stability, but in some people it, it can. So the, the two very important things, the force distribution and stability. And so they cited that he tore his labrum because he has femoral acetabular impingement. What that? What means. does that mean? That, yes. <laughs> it's a fancy word for a hip impingement, which means you have um, extra bone in parts of your hip that basically pinch the lab- that pinch over the labrum. So the labrum is pitched between two parts oh. that have excessive bone. So that causes the tear. More, it's more of a. It it tends to be a chronic injury rather than an acute one. It can happen acutely the way it did, but it it doesn't happen without some kind of anatomical reason. So most common is that hip impingement. Sometimes it's from hip dysplasia, which is a totally separate thing. We don't need to go into it. Um, And so because the labrum is similar to your ACL in that it doesn't heal, more likely than not, if you've reached a certain point of tearing, you're going to need surgery for it. Of course, you Mm -hmm. can get away with early on. If you can rehab it, let it calm down, um, then it's fine. But... When it's painful, you're going to need surgery for it. Basically, the surgery involves trimming off that extra bone, uh, putting the labrum back to where it should be. The, the most, you can argue that the most important part of that surgery isn't putting the labrum back to where it should be. It's trimming that extra bone off because that's yeah, what... Yeah, it happened again. <laughs> exactly. That's, like, that's the cause of it, right? Trimming off the bone is significantly important. Now... We can look at some historical guys because I saw on Twitter and there were a lot of overreactions to this. People were kind of declare, almost declaring Killian Hayes' career over because they noted that in the past. Yeah, crazy, right? Like, for those of you who didn't see, Carlos made a, yeah, I was like, what? had a reaction <laughs> like, wait, are you serious? Exactly. He's, he's 20 years old, right? 19? He's 19. 20. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. He's very young. So 19. Declaring his... Uh, career over is kind of a is overdone so looking at all the guys who've had this injury so the Marcus Aldridge has had this in both hips of course he's had a very long career and he's returned yeah. from both of them he had the first one when he was in college with Texas and then he had the other one in 2012 and he's had no complications since um, yeah Wilson Chandler's come back from this procedure and he's fine he's just like not in the Brooklyn Nets or, or sorry where does he play now Ooh, I, don't I don't know. know. I, don't, 
But he's not in the know. rotation. But he hasn't had complications. He's not. It seems. Dude, like. he's in the Chetiang Lions. Oh, he's not even in the NBA anymore. He's in the CBA right now. Oh, yikes. Okay. <laughs> well, he hasn't had complications from it. He returned from it. Other guys were Martel Webster, Johnny Flynn, Gerald Henderson, and this is the one that got people scared. Isaiah Thomas had it. So, IT, uh, wait, which I, Isaiah Boston is still Boston, Isaiah Thomas. So the reason, I know we talked about this previously, and he had hip arthritis. I, I did a little more digging, and the reason that he got hip arthritis was because he had this labrum tear, and instead of fixing it, they removed it. And the two functions of the labrum are stability and force distribution. So when you take out the force distributor, you basically are leaving it up to it's, the cartilage. And it wore out really fast. That doesn't sound like the smartest move in retrospect. No, it wasn't. And so that's, <laughs> that was the kind of the point I was trying to make on Twitter. Uh, people were trying to, kind of pushing back on me, but I was like, guys, I, I know what I'm talking about. I, I work for a guy who specializes in hip arthroscopy. And we get people who have had these what's called labral debridements where you take it out. No, it's not good. The results are bad. Like people, like it takes away their pain for maybe a year, but they come back and it's painful again. Some of them lose cartilage. Why did they do? Why? Why do they still do this procedure? Yeah, yeah I know, if, right? Why do they offer this procedure if it's not, if it's not uh, effective long-term? That's the thing. So the labrum repair surgery has really only become popular in the last 10, maybe 15 years. So before then, that's what they were doing. Like in the Just early 2000s, that's what it. they would do. Um, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people will still do that surgery now. We get, we get a lot of people who we have to basically reconstruct their labrum because it's not, because it's not there anymore to try to prevent that arthritis, right? So uh, one thing I'm going to look at for Killian Hayes is who is doing the surgery. Because the difference between some of these guys returning and not the reason that LaMarcus Aldridge uh, returned, and just so we're clear, I can say this because this is Googleable. Dr. Mark <coughs> Philippon from the Stedman Clinic did LaMarcus Aldridge's surgery, at least in 2012. I don't know about the early one. And Dr. Philippon, who I trained with at Stedman, is like basically one of the godfathers of hip arthroscopy. He's like the top 1% of hip arthroscopists in the world. Wow. So when it's done well, when it's done properly, patients do really well. And clearly, LaMarcus Aldridge has come back from this. Other players who have had the labrum repair surgery come back. Now, right. some people say, well, LaMarcus Aldridge re-aggravated it at one point, and he ended up recovering, but not everyone's that fortunate. He, maybe he re-aggravated it, but maybe he got hip flexor tendonitis, which is the most common complication after. We've had... Mm. We've had several patients who've gotten hip flexor tendonitis because a week after the surgery, they have no pain. The pain is gone. Wow. Think about that. Like one week after surgery, their pain is gone. And so they ended up pushing it too much and then they get developed tendonitis. So that's may, that may be what happened with Lamarcus. Because if you re-aggravate that, that's tough. That's, that is tough to you come back you from. Can re, you can't come back from it. It's hard to come back from, basically. Not necessarily you can't come back from it, but like... I, I would be a little more skeptical that he re-aggravated the labrum and then just hasn't had a complication with it since than developing hip flexor tendonitis. Professional athletes strike me as the type to push through these things. 
So mm-hmm. it would make sense why he would develop hip flexor tendonitis because he probably pushed himself really hard. It's LaMarcus Aldridge. He's one of the greatest players ever. Yeah, top, top 100? <laughs> top 200? I don't – probably top 200. Top 150. Pro- I don't know 100, but – Yeah, probably not 100. But still, that's like 0.0001% of all people who've ever played basketball. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when, when that surgery goes well, it really goes well. Now, there are people who have had the labrum repair, but they didn't take enough bone off. So that's another thing. That is the most common reason for this surgery failing, right? So we'll see. It, it really depends on who does Hayes' surgery and how well it's done. So let's not declare his... Um, career over. Career over. He's 19. Did you see how he injured it? Because I'm really curious, like, how, do you, like how, how it's triggered. Because it, obviously, like, the bone is probably there, like, mm-hmm. your whole life, right? But then something has to trigger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, so that's a good point. So that bone tends to appear, not necessarily for your whole life, but probably, like, from when you're very, very young. And the funny thing is, is that 70% of people who don't have hip pain actually have that type of morphology. So people have that extra bone, but don't have symptoms, right? It becomes when you, when you become symptomatic. And so that's the thing that you're alluding to. Um, and that's very sharp of you, actually. I, I applaud you. Um, it tends to come from something. Now, him as a professional athlete, that's where it would come from, right? Like the, your, all of your joints go through a ton of stress, and that's probably where he got it. And this is where, this is why hockey players get it all the time. Have you ever been ice skating? Yes, but not, yeah, ice, so not for ice hockey. Not for ice hockey, right? <laughs> so when you stop, I mean, we don't go that fast, but when you stop, you kind of have to like bring your feet in and, you know, to stop. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> yeah, you pizza. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with skiing too. Exactly, it's skiing or pizza, right? Yeah. 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 It's kind of heavy on your hips, right? So can you imagine trying to slow yourself down when you're on a full sprint? And then right. change direction right away. And then it's even worse. The position in hockey that gets it the most is goalies. Because you, mm-hmm. you see, like, they, they block um, low shots with They're the like, yeah, And they yeah, twist yeah. all the way in. They have insane mobility. So that would tear your labrum because of your insane mobility. Right? Mm. So you're right. Like, it, the, having the morphology doesn't always mean you're going to get the labrum tear. They need, there probably should be something else. Now, of course, some people have just insane morphology that sitting down will cause it. Like, it depends on how much bone there is. Yeah, because we get a lot of sedentary patients who have that tear. Um, So, it it could just be the morphology is bad enough that sitting down will cause it. Um, But in professional athletes, you can certainly um, think that the amount of stress that they go through would cause it. And that's why, in his case an acute one may, may make a little more sense. Because I think when he drove, he kind of planted hard and then it, it ripped. Oh, uh, okay. I, I haven't seen the plan on where he, um, yeah. where he injured it. But was, it was on a drive. Yeah. No, it wasn't this big gross movement. So it's, it's not super remarkable, the injury. But, but did, did, did he like start like, did, he, did it affect him? Or, like, sorry, did he like play through it for a couple of, plays after or so he just immediately went down i don't think so he was down he was down so the the fortunate thing is in general acute injuries tend to heal better than chronic injuries because there's bleeding so 
if he's getting his hip scope within the next week, maybe there's probably blood in the in his joint now. So that'll help him help the labrum heal, which is good. You want it to bleed. Um, oh, <clears throat> one thing they haven't announced, but let's see what let's see if you can estimate it. Considering like he'll probably have to do surgery, how long do you think he'll be out for? Uh, so typically it'll be six to nine months. You can't return six to nine months. He's out for the rest of the rookie season He's if he gets surgery. Now, if they might try to rehab it, which I can understand. But I think that you'd want to not risk it. He's young. You'd want yeah. to... Because you, you risk the rest of his career in developing arthritis. Mm, so if, yeah. So if the MRI shows like it's not really torn, then maybe. But even then, it's like you may still want to fix it. Ah, that sucks for him. Hopefully, yeah. he, he has still a long career after this. I hope so too. And I, I hope that he has surgery, to be honest with you. Sounds like the right way to go. <laughs> I think so. But again, I don't... Crazy things can happen. I don't know what his MRI looks like, and I don't know what his symptoms are like. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. So sh- shall we move on to the next segment? Let's do it. Yeah, GG of the week week. The GG of the week week. So this week, we picked the January 7 matchup between the Boston Celtics uh, playing at the Miami Heat. Yes, a rematch of the rematch. Eastern Conference Finals from last year. Yep. And with a sorry, new look Celtics, new look Celtics a little bit without little Kemba. Bit, yeah. Without Kemba. They're and new. in this game, they, they played it without Jeff Teague too. Yeah. Yep. No so Jeff Teague, yep. Justin Thompson played. Miami looks the same though. Miami is overall the same. They're, they've got a couple of differences that I want to talk about too. But yeah. um, Let's before we even dive into the game, let's start off with the jerseys. Yes. Uh, okay, wait. Who do you want? Do you want to talk about the Heat first or the Celtics? Let's start with the bad first. Let's end on a good note. The Celtics is like <laughs> that jersey is so effing ugly. It's so plain. I don't understand. Like I understand what they were going for. I don't understand why they went for it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> ugly though. Like it, it it's. For those of you who don't know, it's designed after their championship banners. It's just like, that's very pompous of you. Especially now that the Lakers have the same number of championships as you. And secondly, the championship banners, like, they're great, but not on a jersey. They just look like, they look like you didn't put any effort into the jersey. It's just Boston yeah. Celtics written in, like, Cambria the fo- font. Yeah, the font, cho- the font choice as well looks so, it doesn't look good. <laughs> Yeah, it just looks bad. It's so plain. Oh, like, it's so ugly. Now, the one redeeming thing about this is that they have a stripe on their, like, um, on their shoulder. It says Tommy and Casey. Ah, yeah. To honor Tommy Heinsohn and Casey Jones, both, both who we have recently lost. But I love that they did that. Having yes. said that, the jerseys are fugly. They're not, yeah, it, it's too plain. I don't, I really don't know why they. they unimaginative, unimaginative. <laughs> On the opposite spectrum, though, these Heat jerseys are so fire. They're so great. Like, they did, they did so many variations of the Vice City, like, I know. color scheme. I, I, they, they came up with an even better one. I know, it's insane. Like, 
you would think that at this point they're kind of overdoing it, but they're really not. It, every time they do it, it just looks so good. It was so interesting because like one half, you see like one color of the jersey because they're going one way. And yeah. the other half, you see the other color. I know. It's so dope. <laughs> it's so creative. It's so good. And then the same thing in their paint. Like the paint kind of does that too. Yeah, it does. If the court matches, oh, it's good. Yeah. Great, great design. I think there was a, there was a shot of, uh, I think it was Precious Achua. He's standing like in a perfect spot where the jersey and the paint like mash together. And it looked so good. It was like, like visual porn. It was insane. <laughs> no, really, it was satisfying. Visual porn. <laughs> it was like, it, yeah, no, uh, there's no such thing as non-visual porn. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. There's ASMR, but we'll, ASMR. <laughs> but we're not gonna let's not go there. Give more appreciation to the Heat jerseys. I legitimately want every one of these Miami Miami Heat Miami Vice jerseys. Yeah, they have like the baby blue one, they have the white one, they have the black one, they have this the pink one. one. Yeah, they have this one. It's insane. Like they're so good. Like I want that to be their permanent jersey color forever. They mm. I'm not sure. You're rid of the black, red, <laughs> and gold. Make it this. Make Miami Vice. It's so good. It is. It's probably like the best jersey in the league. I think it's the best jersey Design in the league. Wise. Easy. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you, uh, anything else on salivating over their jerseys? or um, Celtics, get on the heat level. Hey, seriously. Heat level, please. <laughs> the Celtics really haven't had many good alternate jerseys. They had that one in 2008 with like the black lettering. That was, that was pretty nice. Mm, yeah. But they've moved away from stuff. Like they tried to make it gold, which is like, eh. And then they tried to go with this luck of the Irish stuff and it just t- turns out ugly. They haven't had good jerseys. So, yeah, disappointing. Celtics, got to step up your jersey game. Um, all right. So let's talk about the actual game. I want to provide some context yes. first. Let's provide some context for the Boston Celtics. Um, they've been starting Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson with the Jays and Marcus Smart, which is interesting because it's not what like, we expected. <laughs> yeah, not what we expected. We thought we'd only play one of those bigs. And they're trying to emphasize defense. And I think both players kind of deserve a starting spot, but it just offensively, it doesn't look great and then defensively they do get burned it's not good yeah to the two bigs especially against the Miami plus like four at least four four out at the very least yeah I mean they start the heat in this game started Olenek and he torched them now yeah now Brad Stevens did say like in in the playoffs they may need to go to that big big lineup and I bet they have their eye on the 76ers right having a two big lineup would help combat Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So that's probably what they're... So they have to work on it, and I get it. It's just... It's it's not good right now. And even he admitted, I think, it's not good. I like Grant Williams there better. (laughs) I do too. I do too. I I do think that it's interesting that almost overnight, their weakness last year was center. And it's, it's still sort of their weakness, but their wing depth isn't great anymore, which was their strength last year. Now they don't have any wings. Yeah, because they lost Hayward and yeah, well, they lost Hayward basically. Yeah. 
So like all their backup players are point guards. Like Jeff Teague and Peyton Except Semi Ojale. I don't uh, I don't know why we kept him, to be honest. He looks better, I guess, but He know. played he played okay. He played okay this game for his thirteen minutes. I guess he's cheap. Which is all you need him to play. That's uh, all you need whatever. him to play. Whatever. One three. <laughs> all right. Um and then a couple things for the Celtics. They are first in the league in offensive rebounding percentage, which is I found interesting. So that's the trim, the double big effect, and they are tenth in the league. Having Tristan in, Thompson, mm-hmm. and then they're tenth in the league in effective field goal percentage. However, they are twenty fourth in defensive effective field goal percentage and twenty second in uh, free throws per field goal attempt defensively. Basically, they're fouling a lot. So they, which, they foul a lot. No. Yeah, and people score in them pretty effectively. Which is why they probably they have the twenty first ranked defense in the NBA right now, which is no bueno, not good. It's not going to cut it. Yeah, the Celtics historically, I mean not historically, but under Brand Stevens, particularly the last few years, have always had like a very good defense. Yes, so expect that that rating to go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I would hope so. I think they have some stuff to work <laughs> out. Um, some context for uh, the Miami Heat now. So they start Tyler Hero at point guard now. And yep. the obvious reason here is that even though it's probably not the best move, he's not the best player they have at that spot. They're kind of going long-term. They need him to have confidence in the playoffs. They need him to have confidence long-term. Um, and then the backup point guard is Goran Dragic, which kind of leaves Kendrick Nunn in the dust. He hasn't gotten his minutes. He didn't play today. He didn't play in this game. He didn't play. Which sucks because Kendrick Nunn is good. He's a really good player. I'm, sur- I'm surprised how like few players they played this game. They only played nine players like in the rotation. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, more contextual factors for them. Uh, the Heat are actually eighth in the league in effective field goal percentage and 12th in free throws for field goal attempt. So that, that second one is pretty common for what they were in uh, the playoffs. We know that their effective field goal percentage wasn't great at the time, but they kept getting to the free throw line, which is what kept them in games. Because of Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler. But all of them get to the free throw line a lot. Bam gets to the free throw line a decent amount. Yeah. yeah. And let's see. On the defensive side, they are sixth in effective field goals. So uh, they're good at limiting other teams from taking good shots. Uh, the problem becomes that they are dead last in turnover percentage offensively. So they turn the ball over a lot. Yeah. Did they, did they have a lot of turnovers this game? Sorry, no, I'm checking the stats. That's Eight fine. turnovers. Not a lot this game. Not a lot today, yeah. They usually have a lot. And so um, that's probably why the Heat currently don't have the best record. They are 24th in the league in offensive rating. It's just surprising. Could they, did they lose? I guess they lost some shooters from last year. I mean, they like, lost Crowder. Bay Crowder. <laughs> that's about it, really. Bay Crowder. Yeah. So I expect Hero's them to not shooting well. a little bit. Hero's not shooting well, and that's where you may have to look at it and be like, maybe we need to make a change here. Um, so. And maybe that that comes in the form of giving up Kendrick Nunn because he he doesn't have. He's not getting minutes now, and I think Kendrick Nunn deserves it. Yeah, he's too good not to be to be getting DNPs. I feel. 
Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, with all that context, what, uh, what do you want to start with talking about in this game? Well, the Celtics went, built an early lead in this game yes. behind the, the Jays. My yeah. favorite duo in the league. Yes, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the Jays. The Jays, yeah. They, they started off hot, if I, if I remember oh, correctly. They did, yes, yes. And they, I think Jalen Brown has been one of my favorite players to watch like, the last few years. He's shown like steady improvement year yeah. over year. Yep. And I feel like this, like, well, maybe not the, today's game wasn't the best like shooting, shooting performance, but he still showed a lot of things that where he improved. His, yeah. his, his, his scoring game is definitely like, I feel like it's expanded a little bit. He has a good, he has a good pull-up shot. Yeah. And he's also making better reads on, um, on his playmaking. Yes. Playmaking reads, basically, yeah. Definitely. I, I think he has taken another step in a couple of areas that has led him to, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it a leap because part of this may be, um, he has increased his volume in the absence of Kemba Walker. But at the same time, he's much more... This is the most efficient despite the uptick in volume. So last year, he was taking uh, 15 and a half shots a game uh, and shooting 48% from the field. This year, he's at 19 field goals a game, shooting almost 54 field goal percent. Yeah. So it's not all, it's not all um, just increased possessions. Now, let's see. One thing I do need to look at here. I was just saying it wasn't, it's not all on volume, his improvement. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's the thing too, though. I, I do expect a lot of that to come down. I think that his efficiency and his points per game are going to come down because um, his mid-range shooting is insane right now. From 10 to 16 feet, <laughs> he's, he's shooting a lot. <laughs> He's shooting 66.7% on, wow. <laughs> on a 10 to 16 feet. And then long twos, he's shooting 63%. There's, that's not sustainable. The greatest mid-range shooters of all time couldn't shoot that. Yeah, if Michael Jordan can't shoot that, I don't, expect, I don't expect Jalen Brown to continue that. So his, his production is going to come down. It's not going to stay this hot. But one one thing I want to see I, I want to see if he he'll continue to do is like I remember last year there were like times where I felt like he would have tunnel vision when he's driving to the basket. Yes. But a couple of times this game I saw him make like those dump down passes, which yes, is good to see. Yes. In previous games, yeah, like, I noted too, this game, which was great. Yeah. In previous games, I noted too that um, he's learning kickouts too, which is awesome. I mean. It seems like his ball handling and his passing have improved, which is leading to him being a better scorer and a better creator, which is fantastic. And I love that. But I also love that he still incorporates like these off-ball things. So in terms of player archetype, he's, he's a little bit of two things. He's an athletic slasher. Like, so he uses his athleticism as yeah. a wing to get to the bucket on cuts and spot-ups. But he also is able to shoot well. Like He can move off screens and shoot. He can shoot off the catch. So he still implements off-ball things, which makes him a great pair with Jason Tatum. So that's awesome, and I love yeah. it. And he, he goes for duck-ins, too. I love that. I love that he goes for duck-ins. Not to mention, as well, he's like pretty good def- defending on the other side, at least one-on-one oh, yeah. defense and yes. off-ball <laughs> off yes. defense as well. 
it's it's a little his off ball defense is improved. Now speaking of off ball defense, Jason yeah, Tatum, of course. Jason Tatum has significantly improved his on ball defense this year too. He's up he's upped it. It looked good. Yeah. Like having him and Jalen there, like the long wings is is great. It's kind of yeah. like the modern well, I guess they're 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 the easiest comparison is Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. Like a younger version of them. That, yeah, that the younger duo. version of those two, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a good comparison. And Jason Tatum, uh, he he didn't maintain a lot of the passing from the bubble, but he's maintained some of it, which is good. His passing overall think, looks better. He's not tunnel vision like Brown was too. Yeah, he he's still like one thing like I have I noted from him like he's still making like he's in, he's he still has that incredible shot making ability yes. in this game. But one thing like that the that jumped out to me in the broad in watching the game was I think in the fourth quarter Mike Breen was like, and this is Tatum's first time to the line tonight, which is like. Yes. Not necessarily the most yes. encouraging thing. Yeah. I thought that was something he improved on already last year. But yeah. he's only had one high free throw free throw game. Uh, yeah. I forget. I think it was against the Pistons or something. I forget which which yeah. team they played. Yeah. So not getting, not getting the line as much as not getting uh, to the line. Neither is Jalen Brown, really. I think yeah. the Celtics offense overall, it's of course good, but it's so reliant on individual skill. Because it's like, one, it gets stagnant at times. And two, it doesn't really lead to the easiest shots. Like, it doesn't create easy shots for them. And one of the reasons why they got the early lead and the Heat came back and then they got the lead again near the end and then the Heat came back is because they don't get easy shots for themselves. And it makes them prone to teams when teams get hot and they can't do anything. It, it leaves them vulnerable when they have the lead. Yeah, because they just get cold and like, yeah. they can't generate easy baskets. Yeah. And I mean, remember how we said that you really have to be a four-level scoring team. Right now, the Celtics are really a three-point shooting team and a mid-range team. They're not the best in the paint, and they're not the best at getting to the free-throw line. They only took yep. 12 free-throw attempts this game. It's not good. Yeah, that's one thing we need Brown and Tatum to... Yeah. Do better <laughs> moving yeah. forward. They need to get to the free throw line better for sure. My favorite, my favorite pair, uh, young, young pair, young duo in the league. I hope they stay together forever. I hope they stay together forever. <laughs> Agreed. All Although right. Knowing Danny Ainge, he'll trade them when they're like, 31. yeah, fucker. <laughs> 32. <laughs> I su- yeah. He's very picky not about time. not letting his core get old. Yeah. So by like, maybe not 32, the 32 is still prime. Like 33 or 34. No, 34. Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. All right. Moving on. So the next, we, we did want to talk about the Heat's young core. So Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn. And now they have this new guy, Precious Achiwa, which I like. I like that the addition of him is because he's another Bam type player. A mobile big that has roll gravity um, and can switch on defense. Like, did you see that possession where Achiwa got switched on to Tatum and Achiwa contained him? Wait, I did not. I missed that possession. It was, was in sick. I watched that possession three times. Really? Yeah, because Tatum isolated on him because of the switch, and it was in. It was on the left corner. 
Tatum thought he had a step back, but Achiwa like contested it really well, and it was like it clunked from the Terrible. side of the ring. It was it was awesome. So they have another player like Bam who has roll gravity and can is switchable, so they can play a big like Bam basically the whole game if they want to, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Hero and Robinson still suck on defense though. Yeah, they definitely get picked on a lot. <laughs> yeah. Understand, and I would too. I mean, so vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, like I, I don't know if you heard the hero on the pod on the JJ Redick podcast, but he he felt like he felt what he feels like he's getting targeted in defense because he's white. Well, maybe true, but, but you're it's also because getting... you're not that great on defense. Yeah, it's because you suck at defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you suck at defense. That's why you're getting targeted. I and mean, like, who yeah. who was he guarding? Uh, who was he guarding on the final possession? Yeah. Who was he guarding <laughs> on the final possession? I don't remember. I thought it was Peyton. Ah, he was guarding Peyton Pritchard, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Um, or was it Duncan Robinson? One of them. One of them. But, yeah, they get, they get put on the weakest guy. Yeah. And it sucks because almost every team in the league has a good point guard now. Yeah. Like I can't, I actually can't think of a team that doesn't have an elite point guard, or at least a good point guard. I mean, even the Cavs have Colin Sexton. Yeah, they have Sexland. Sexland. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Cavs have that. How about the, Nick, the Knicks? Austin Rivers. <laughs> oh, that's true. The Knicks might be the only one. RJ Barrett. Shout out Austin Rivers though. He scored. He closed the. I, what game did they close out? Was it the Jazz or something? Yeah, he had, he had an insane run. Yeah. <laughs> so see, yeah. that's a decent point guard. <laughs> yeah, but like that, but that's probably it. Like other team, all other teams have a good point guard on their team. Yeah, it's the deepest position in the league currently. Yeah, by far. Yeah. So, it it they 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 might suffer, and that that sucks. Now, of course, they didn't have a lot of time to work on their stuff, so none of these players have really uh, improved in a meaningful way. So the Heat are basically the same team they were last year. Yeah. Minus I mean, Butler, Crowder, which sucks. Yeah. Butler's still Butler. I mean, I think they're going to try to use Achua yeah. in those Jay, Jay Crowder minutes. I'm really curious why Kendrick Gunn did not play this game. Yeah. I mean, he he's not playing a lot. And it's probably because of this hero and Goran Dragic rotation. There's just no room mm-hmm. for him. But I think that they need another shot creator. To squeeze into the rotation, you know? I think they need Kendrick Nunn to play a little more because he can create a shot a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like, Iguodala's not going to shoot three for five every game. They need some, no. they need someone else, right? <laughs> yeah. And Iguodala's not going to play that much. Like, it, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it, it sucks that um, Bam hasn't made an improvement, neither is Hero or Robinson. So, they're pretty much the same team as last year. Still a long season, so we'll see if they do make jumps, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, um, are we, are we going to talk about Fast PP now? The game winner! Our new favorite player. So <laughs> Fast PP, for those of you who don't know, is Peyton Pritchard. And I saw that. That was his nickname on Twitter. I think Jalen Brown calls him Fast PP. And they call him that <laughs> because he catches on fast. I, did, I 
I don't like we were. We, this is not someone I was expecting to do to do anything. I mean, to do much for the Celtics. Seriously. Like yeah. we were talking about Naismith and who's the other um Aaron Naismith, other, yeah. Um, Aaron Naismith and who's the other uh lottery pick they had? It was Peyton Pritchard. Oh, okay. So Peyton Pritchard was picked like twenty sixth or twenty seventh by the Celtics. Oh no, we were thinking. I was thinking like Romeo Langford was gonna get played time or something, but yeah, but he's still out from that wrist surgery. So yeah. Uh, now it's like freaking Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> yeah, which is insane. I mean, I'm shocked at how well he can handle pick and rolls. I knew he'd be a good shooter. Like, that wasn't a secret. And I figured that he had a chance to get into the rotation because he could shoot. But I didn't think that he'd, they'd allow him to handle the ball. That's insane. And yeah, he's like really smart point guard. He does like, I mean, very just secure with the ball more yeah. or less. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very surprising coming from a rookie. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, too. He's, he finished college, right? So, mm. he's, four, he's a senior. He played four years. So, uh, this is kind of another argument for um, taking, not being so low on senior players. Because I think, of course, if you're a freshman and you're talented and you have a ton of upside, you should go to the NBA as soon as you can. Because you don't want to risk getting hurt without being able to make money. But there are people who are so worried about these guys who are seniors, but you have to understand that they'll probably catch on to things much quicker. Peyton Pritchard is an example of this. Damian Lillard is the perfect example of that. Yep. Right? So shouldn't fear the senior. Yeah. Pretty impressive though. Like he's playing crunch time in all these games so far. They freaking closed with him. Yeah. And I mean, there was this one play too, I was so impressed, where he faked Dragic out of his boots. He did the rondo <laughs> and then spun around and then went up and under for the layup. It was insane. Yeah. Like he has that stuff in his back. It's great. Now, of course, the thing that's crazy here is he made the game winning shot off a putback. Yeah, the smartest, shortest guy at the court. <laughs> because whoever's guarding him was Hero or Robinson, did not box him out. You know, it was a good, it was a good like play by the Celtics. They, I think it was a pick and roll with whoever uh, Duncan Robinson was guarding. Yeah. And it, Smart just collapsed. The, I mean, drove on him since he was guarded by Duncan. Yep. But tossed up they, a bad shot. Yeah, they had to. They had to collapse though, which caused like the opening for um for Pritchard yeah. to get the rebound. Yep. So, uh, with a minute seventeen left, the Celtics actually had a ten point lead. And, that was oh yeah, yeah. It was bad, but again, like it's it's them not being able to generate easy shots that leaves them prone to these things. So this is basically the sequence of what happened. So he get a timeout. Um, at this point, Celtics are up ten. They run a loop for Duncan Robinson. Tatum is not good at chasing people off screens, so Robinson hits the three. I'm surprised they didn't switch that, which was yeah, on the. Celtics next offensive possession. They're running. They're running the clock down, but Smart passes up a wide open three with like twelve seconds. And I understand mm-hmm. why, but they end up with a with a terrible fadeaway by Tatum because the ball got loose. Yeah. So they don't make the basket. Then off a deep catch for on the next Heat possession, uh, Adebayo gets a deep catch in the paint. So they collapse. He kicks it out to Duncan Robinson. Tatum fouls him for a four point play. So now they lose that to three. That leads down to three. On the after timeout play for the Celtics, Smart drives too early and Tice misses the layup. And then yep. Tice and stays down because he, he gets hurt. You could have argued that's a foul. 
I think yeah. that was one of the fouls that didn't get called. So that, that's a thing too. The referees missed four fouls in this time that favored the Heat. Four. So any one of those, that this doesn't happen. So Celtics came away with the win, thankfully. But that's four plays they botched. And Wait, what were the other three? I, what were the other three? Because the Tice one, I'm with you on that one. It could have been a foul. Easily. I, think, I think the other one was Mark, the Marcus Smart missed layup that led to Pritchard's game winner. Oh, okay. That was a foul. So, um, and then the Tice one was the most egregious because he was hurt. Yeah. He landed <laughs> hard. You were 5 on 4 for like the whole yeah. possession. <laughs> yeah, and so Dragic in the secondary fast break misses the layup, but Bam gets the he get he misses three pointer, the three, pointer. Open three. Yeah, sorry. He misses the three, Bam gets the offensive rebound cuz he's the biggest guy on the court. Kicks it to Dragic, it's a tie. He gets the tying three. Sec yeah. So that's Which the 10 point annoying. Right there. <laughs> That was a crazy, that was a crazy event because like I was watching, I was like, "Oh my god, the Celtics blew it!" <laughs> crazy sequence, crazy sequence. Um, and then the last play, and then the last <laughs> play. So what, like you described, it smart um, runs pick and roll, but gets the favorable switch. So he attacks it, but he kind of gets caught up, and Bam helps pretty well, leaves the opening for a putback by Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, because what I think Kiro was trying to box out um, Tice. Yeah. Yep. And just couldn't, like, and get, couldn't. Richard was wide open. Yep. Smart call but, by Brad Stevens not to call time out there. Very smart, yes. Sometimes that's, you know, doing that is, is the smart thing to do. Yeah, they um, probably would have taken out uh, Hero and Duncan. Yep. If, if they didn't do that, yeah. For sure. And so that was basically what happened in crunch time. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I was really happy when it was Fast PP who took who made the game. Yes, love Fast PP. <laughs> fast PP is one of like, our yeah. favorite players right now. When I when he hit that game winner, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, who did that? Oh my god! Fast PP. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, good win for the Celtics. They've been in a quite number of few close games this year so far. Yeah. 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 Overall. Well, yeah, overall good. I think, I think the Celtics have some stuff to work on because, of course, their defense on def- on defense they do the scram switch. They yeah. still need to work on it. Clearly, like the new guys aren't used to it yet. I think getting Kemba back, hopefully, like as you mentioned earlier, he's going to be coming back soon. That should help their offense a yeah. little bit. Um, but. Jason and Jay, Jason and Jalen will hold, hold. It seems like they can hold the fourth down while waiting for Kemba. Yeah, yep, I think so too. I think it'll be. I think they'll do fine without Kemba, but having Kemba will be awesome. Very much. Yeah. How about how about the Heat? Any thoughts on the Heat? I think they got to figure out their rotation because their fourth spot, Kendrick Nunn. I think they need to give more playing time, and I think they need to give some more guys at the four sometimes. So they've been switching up Mo Harkless, Kelly Olynyk, depending on the matchup. But, you know, they could play guys like Casey Akpala there just to give some, some minutes. I think their rotation is pretty limited right now. And I think they need to expand it a little bit to give guys they may need in the playoffs some time. Let's Iguodala let some of the young guys play a bit more. Yeah, honestly. Iguodala's minus 21 this game. What the heck? Oh, yikes. <laughs> he made some rat wild threes I wasn't expecting him to make. I know. He comes <laughs> through in the clutch. It's just 
he's old, man. He's old. Yeah, th- yeah. Kendrick Dunn got to get some minutes. Anyway, he I think will be okay. I'm not sure if they're like top four seed at this point. Yeah. And then no, they, sorry, not top four seed. Top. What do they have them as? Like three. You had them as three, right? I'm not sure about that right now. <laughs> I had them at two, and yeah, I agree. I don't know. I if I'm at that high on them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but, my Eastern predictions may not be that great this year. <laughs> Same, to be honest. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Although the Sixers, the Sixers, are, Sixers are looking good. Yeah, I, I may have been too <laughs> low on the Sixers. You had them at third, right? I had them at fifth, and I yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and the Bucks. Uh, no one's talking about the Bucks, so. Yeah. Anyway, okay, I think that concludes the GG of the week. And that was this week's episode. So we had some uh, good games this week with great individual performances. But unfortunately, we had some injuries as well. Uh, So for those who are injured, we wish you a speedy recovery. Um, So whose performance was more impressive, Steph Curry's or Bradley Beal's? Chef! Chef, do you think the Heat have the best jerseys in the NBA? Honestly, is it even a contest? Is it even a contest? We should put out a poll. Ooh, let's put a poll. Yes or yes. Yes or yes. <laughs> this is another poll where we could put up uh, yes or yes. How, how much do you love fast pee-pee? A lot yes. or a lot? A lot. <laughs> a lot or a ton? Uh. All right. But uh, let us know your thoughts. Who's got next? Fast pee-pee got next. Fast pee-pee got next. Pee-pee. No, I think... No. Oh, gross. No, stop that. Oh, that's so gross. That is disturbing. <laughs>